Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome back to episode 81 of Apply Filters. During this episode, Brad and I were joined by a very special guest, Matt Mullenweg, the co-founder of WordPress and the CEO of Automatic. In this conversation, we talked a bit about Matt's recent role as a WordPress development lead and how the progress of the REST API, the new editor, and the other focus features are coming along in 2017. We're also able to touch on some of the history of Automatic and how it's changed over the years and look a little bit at what Matt chooses to work on when he's able to find a little bit of time to code. And at the end, we touch a little bit on what Matt feels is not talked about enough inside of WordPress. What are some of the conversations that need to happen? So listen in to our discussion with Matt Mullenweg. Mr. Matt Mullenweg, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here today. All right, so we're gonna have a number of questions for you. Mr. Brad, do you wanna start us off? Yeah, let's let's start off. So. Six months ago uh, at WordCamp US, um, you made a big announcement that you were starting to lead the WordPress uh, development again. I, I think people are pretty excited by it, um, but there was some skepticism as well. Uh, you know, I was wondering, like, can a CEO of a 500 plus person company also lead this huge open source project? So, Matt, is it possible? Are you okay over there? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely, you know, prior over the kind of the year prior to taking that over, I did make some changes to make it more possible to make more time because it does take a good amount of time. And so I want to make sure that just personally I had set aside that time. And that's why, for example, I stopped doing new investments through Audrey Capital um, because I need to make the time to um, to essentially invest in the WordPress community. <laughs> In terms of uh, how it's going is, I think it's, I've been very happy with it thus far. Um, there's a great set of folks. The focus leads have been really fantastic to work with. And that's part of the key to how this model is going to work. And the incremental, you know, when you think about it, I'm already running something that's over 550 people. So adding an additional 20 to 40 people sort of working with to um, to make some cool things happen actually isn't that different from what I do, what I spend the rest of my day doing. So what is your, your role exactly right now in, in the WordPress? Like, are you leading WordPress development as like a product manager or what, like how, how is it working? I don't know if there's necessarily an existing term which maps perfectly to it. <laughs> um, because it does kind of move from being high level and low level as well. So I'm looking at track tickets and commenting on things and reading threads and people are definitely bringing a lot to me that um, they weren't maybe bringing to me before. Actually, right before this, I had a great call with a few folks from the theme review team talking about kind of what's next there. So, um, you know, the primary thing is these core releases around the three focuses. And so that's going to be of getting the new editor out and getting the new customizer out to me are the top, top, top priorities. Um, but beyond that, I think after the announcement, people started to say, well, this, these other parts of WordPress that haven't been really moving or that have been stuck. And time and time again, I've been finding that it's not really new ideas. It's things that were proposed 17 months ago, 
you know, syntax highlighting that ticket is seven years old. Like it's things that have been around for a while. We have the good ideas. We just haven't executed on them. So part of a big part of what I'm doing is debugging. So seeing like what, why didn't we do it? Why isn't it done already? Why are things moving slowly when they could be moving faster? And, um, and the answer is not a simple one. It's not, you know, there was one thing we need to do differently or one new policy we should adopt or one person who was wrong. It's often very interlocking and very complex. But I think that this year, especially certainly with how fast the editor has been going, we'll have some very recent and uh, relevant examples to how fast we can move when we really align with each other, when we really like decide on priorities and when people communicate um, to do big things. And my hope is that you know, we haven't made any plans for 2018 yet. I don't know if I'll be able to do this beyond this year, but that we'll have kind of a new baseline for our productivity and our ability to iterate and tackle actually some pretty large problems in the WordPress community versus always saying, oh, that's big, that's hard. You know, it's it's a media model. We can't work on that, you know? You've obviously been in WordPress for a long time, obviously since the beginning. Uh, and I think as, as the project got older and as other ventures like Audrey and Automatic came around, you pulled back a little bit. And now you've kind of come back in to that lead role. Do you think there was a tipping point anywhere where you, you decided I need to, to get back in or at least for a short time? Was it a tipping point? Like there was just maybe, for example, the 2015 Community Summit. Do you think that played a role in deciding to come back in? I've been personally frustrated by how long it's taken to do some things that I think should be relatively simple. And hearing that from other release leads over the past few years um, and seeing some of the frustration that, because we have these rotating release lead philosophy, and I would typically interact with that person a fair amount uh, through the course of it. And um, whether that was Helen or sorry, whoever it was. And so hearing them voice some of the same frustrations, I was like, okay, maybe this is something more with how the project's organized than versus something that I personally am having trouble with. So you know, we had a couple of years of releases that were a little uninspiring from the point of view of like moving the needle forward press adoption, even though they did a lot of great things and people worked really hard on them and we closed 700 tickets and had 130 or 150 contributors. Like we were beating or, or doing a good job on a lot of metrics that we were tracking. But on the whole, I think it's really started to feel like WordPress was falling behind the state of the art in the world. I think it's easy to become complacent because we're far ahead of many of our open source competitors. But, you know, if we think of sort of the state of the art around everything that's on the web or on mobile devices, we weren't necessarily pushing that anymore and haven't for maybe two or three years. I wonder if, if the problem was kind of that there was no vision, no one pushing kind of a vision and uh, like things that needed to get done, but no one kind of wanted to do them. It's usually like someone at the top that pushes those things through, you know? And so not having that, that could have been part of the problem, right? I wouldn't say it's not having the vision because, like I said, a lot of these things that we're doing were proposed years ago. So, so, so the vision was there. It's, it's a lot of it of execution. And I think if I had to point to one thing that is maybe our both greatest strength and one of our potential Achilles heels, it's kind of consensus-driven um, decision-making. Whether that's in the different teams, like the theme review team and the plug-in review team, whether it's with core, whether it's committers, whether it's... You know, we're doing hard work often and 
work that reasonable people will disagree on uh, around priorities or that, you know, reasonable people might feel like we're doing the complete wrong thing. And when these discussions get kind of heated, it's easier for people to withdraw or even, you know, point responsibility to a committee versus like taking something on individually and said, I think this should happen. I'll take responsibility and I'll also take the heat if you disagree with it. So if the 14 years of WordPress has given me anything, it's a thick skin. And so I'm comfortable with people thinking I'm an idiot, saying I'm disconnected, saying, you know, whatever, or that this is totally arbitrary or it's some secret conspiracy to benefit automatic. Like I've heard it all for over a decade now. And so I can, uh, I can separate that out from more critical or useful feedback that is going to help us build the next version of what we want to do. So you gave an update, I can't remember, it was a few weeks back, it was the first quarter check-in update? Yeah, beginning of April, so almost two months ago now. Right, right. But one of the things in there that was surprising, I thought, was that the uh, there was basically no progress whatsoever being made on powering the WP admin by the REST API. I was personally surprised by that. Why do you think that is? Like, why, why do you think there hasn't been any traction there? I don't know exactly. <laughs> I think that some people who, you know, some of the contributors who had worked really hard to get the content endpoints in aren't as passionate about getting the content endpoints used necessarily. And a lot of the debate for whether to bring those in or not, to me, the, the only argument against it is like, is this something that is actually going to be useful in the real world or be adopted in the real world? Um, because we've seen other excellent REST-driven APIs in the past not get adopted. A great example would be the Atom API. And that one definitely had support for more than just one vendor. You know, our content endpoints are essentially like a single vendor API. And Atom API was standardized. It was supported by Google, supported by us, it was supported by Movable Type and TypePad and LiveJournal. And, you know, a bunch of people came together both to create and implement the API. And it just didn't get the adoption. So I think that's a sort of meta question. And secondarily is like, is the API that we've created, can we use it for these things? Or when we implement it, do we run into, do we run into something that maybe we didn't anticipate when purely in the design phase? Or using it more like it's been very successful thus far, which is like uh, developers or agencies doing custom code-driven things, you know? where there's like a custom integration, custom authentication, you know, pretty advanced, I would say, uh, usage of both our REST API and the content endpoints. So that is kind of where we're at. <laughs> it's also a little bit my failing as project lead because, I mean, the fact that it doesn't it hasn't moved ultimately reflects poorly on me as the person leading this for this year. So it's something that I'm going to be looking at priority rise. I've been prioritizing the editor. And that will continue until the editor is in kind of a in-trunk state. But beyond that, it's definitely something on my mind that for when we get to the end of 2017, I want to say that we've got some real great first-party usage of the content endpoints. Something like the REST API is definitely challenging because you have this, this kind of catch-22 where in order to build it, you need to make sure that you have the adoption, right? I mean, because obviously we don't want to build this massive thing and not have people actually use it that much. But at the same time, in order for people to actually use it, we have to have it all the way built. If we can look at it and wonder if there's progress that's stymied by not having it 100% complete. And, and this is kind of a, just an open-ended comment, not necessarily a question. But 
I think it is an interesting problem. Yeah, I mean, I personally was pushing for us to not integrate it until it was 100% complete. So I definitely see the the value of that argument. But something that I try to demonstrate in automatic, and also I think that is a good community principle for us to keep in mind, is uh, disagree and commit. Right. So this idea that uh, even though I disagreed with some of the things going in, the moment it was committed, it became I was advocating for it as strongly as anything else. So like the fact, the historical thoughts or ideas or whatever I had don't really matter at this point. It's in. So like I want to work to make it as widely adopted as successful as possible. So even though that's the commit part of it, which is funny because in open source side, commit obviously has a double meaning. <laughs> but if you think about it, you can apply this to all parts of your life, like debate vigorously and have lots of arguments and bring up all your worries or thoughts or concerns and hash it out. But once the decision has been made and the decision was made to bring the content endpoints in, don't relitigate it. You know, that's not really helpful to anyone. And most of all, don't sabotage it. Like it's in, so let's make it successful. Like, that's I don't a great it. piece of advice right there. Like, what would you like to see happen uh, with the WP admin? Would you like to see, let's say, like the posts listing screen? Like, if we could, someone could Ajaxify that and connect it to the REST API to load in the data. And that is that something? Like, what what could be done there? When I think of what would make it most successful, like something like that, I would happily accept. To be honest, <laughs> like that would be it'd be nice to have something. And there was a lot of talk before impress this and a few other things. So like anything we can get in, like, let's just do it. Uh, or quick draft, I think is the one, I forget the name of the thing on the dashboard, but yeah, so whatever we can do, let's do it. In terms of what I think would be most compelling in terms of future adoption and like the long-term vitality, like reasons to keep this in core as an example, it'd be creating next generation experiences, the things that we couldn't do before that we're going to be able to do now. So imagine it, something closer to like a Calypso experience and necessarily like something that looks and works exactly like WP admin does today. Now, we shouldn't let the perfect be the enemy of the better. So if we can get things going. Uh, my thinking is that you know, with the editor and the customizer, we're going to have some pretty drastic user experience improvements. And I think they'll be big enough that the backwards compatibility that we're breaking is okay meaning that people are going to want to upgrade because the thing on the other side of the momentary pain point, which is maybe something's not going to work, it's worth it. And uh, I think that is what I would like to think of for other parts of WP Admin. So how can we make the improvement worth it? Meaning that it's a drastically better user experience that if some plugins break, because they're going to have to, because we're changing how the code works, we can't be backwards compatible 100% of the time, nor is that even desirable, is it what's on the other side worth it? And where I see people make mistakes, uh, including on a Max made these mistakes before as well with like say the WooCommerce 3.0 release. Uh, we broke some things, but we didn't make the upgrade necessarily worth it. So it's all gonna be about hashtag worth it. If you're gonna make a choice to break backwards compatibility, especially if it's intentional, then obviously there needs to be a reason for it for an end user to say, yes, that's worth it to me. And if you don't, then how do we encourage people to upgrade? We're going to move over to a few kind of business-oriented questions, and then we'll come back to development if we have time. Okay. So Pippin and I each run a fully remote team. So in a lot of ways, we're kind of 
following in your footsteps, your, your early footsteps. If you think back to when Automatic was 10 people, what did, what did it look like, first of all? And, and were there managers or were you the only manager or, well, yeah, what, what did it look like? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I was actually just, um, I've been moving some stuff from San Francisco to Houston. And just last night, I was looking at some of the old photos, some of the old company team photos. So I literally last night looked at the one where the company, the whole company meetup was only about maybe 10 or 12 people. And I think that was a meetup that we did in like Arizona or something. But um, I mean, so at the time, I would say it was the makeup of the team was, uh, there was Tony, who was a CEO. So think of that as like the manager business person who I had hired. We had a part-time CFO. Her name was Ann Dorman. I think we had sort of an office manager and assistant to me uh, named Maya. And I want to say that we had an HR person, but maybe not at that point. And then everyone else was a developer. And it's um, that myself, my primary role at that time was developer. Um, and folks that you know from around WordPress. So like Alex Shields, Michael Adams, Ryan Boren. Um, oh, and one support person. Uh, that was... Um, Mark Riley, who we had hired, I kind of met him through the WordPress Outdoor Forums. He was Pods at the time, P-O-D-Z, if you're old school and remember Pods. Uh, so that was the whole company. So think of it like very developer heavy. And then one each of like a few other positions. I guess we had one designer too. That was, Matt Thomas was there. So the idea was basically trying to like keep it as product oriented as possible. Uh, what's interesting is now that Automatic's 550 people is that individual teams often look a little bit like that. So <laughs> they'll be like, uh, particularly that ma marriage of kind of like one designer to 10 developers, that kind of ratio, like keeping that going is actually really, really, really valuable. And individual teams kind of look like Automatic did when we were small. Do you think if you could go back to when it was just 10 or 12 people and do it again, is there something something majorly different that you would do um, to get to where you are today? Well, there's definitely a ton to do with management and communication that I'm just much better at now. And I wish I had known <laughs> when I was 20 or 21, like, uh, you know, you can find many examples and old tickets or mailing lists or something where uh, like I was, I was definitely uh, stoking the flames of some of the, <laughs> the firefights going around the open source side of things. So Definitely communication would be the number one thing I changed and just learning more about management over the years. Like we definitely, I artificially kept the team a bit too small in those early days because I was scared of larger teams and didn't really know how that would work or if I could handle it. So that definitely slowed us down a lot in the early years. And then two was, I think, working on too many things at once. So probably should have focused in on fewer, you know, as I say, more wood behind fewer arrows. Like, Fewer areas. <laughs> it's funny, looking back, Automatic actually does fewer things now than we did when we were 50 people. So, <laughs> But that's just putting more more resources against fewer areas. Is, do you think, is there also a big part of that where, I, I think as, as companies grow and as individuals grow as developers or business owners, we tend to get better at working smarter and not working as hard. Do you work on fewer things now because you've been able to become a lot more efficient at the things that you do or much more focused and not trying to spread out over a lot more different projects? Nope. <laughs> I work uh, same number of hours, just as hard, just as everything as before. It's okay. really just a difference in like 
how thinly spread are you in the team? Sure. So that's why. So like, for example, something I might not have done 10 years ago is I might have still tried to do investing and like some other things that I shut down and then take back over WordPress core development. So like that just, it wouldn't have been, no one would have been happy in that scenario. So working just as hard, but more focused in, in the areas that you feel are the best for you. And, and being conscious of what you're saying no to and opportunity cost of where you're spending your time. So you mentioned, um, so learning about management and communication is probably the biggest thing. How would, you, how would you recommend people learn about that stuff? Just reading, I think, is a fantastic way to do it. So I try to read. I've been, this year, I've been reading a lot more fiction and, uh, and sort of things on the more spiritual or, you know, uh, side of things, but poetry. But I still try at least once a quarter to read like a hardcore management book or, you know, some sort of management theory or communication or something like that, something more like professionally minded. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but then over 10 years, you've read 40 of these books, which is a pretty sizable library. (laughs) And early on, I read a ton. I was probably reading like one or two a month because I was so worried because I was not very experienced. But I was working with people who had sometimes decades of experience in their respective fields. And I wanted to be able to keep up. So books are a very focused way to get things. Today, I would say podcast and blogs as well. I definitely, some of the blogs then that I read were pretty good, but now there's just so much better information online, whether that's HBR or whether it's, which is Harvard Business Review, whether it's podcasts like the, uh, I really love the Andreessen Horowitz podcast as being like short, but also really, uh, really densely packed with great information. So this year, as you have kind of retaken on the role of leading leading some of the WordPress development, obviously you're getting a little bit more back into the dev side of things, whether that's testing code, reviewing code, or just re- reviewing the, the the end result. In this case, let's talk about, the, we could say the editor. I think developers turned business owners tend to lose their ability to write code as often as they would like. Obviously now you're a, as the CEO of a major company with 500 plus employees. And I know you've had a few roles over the last few years. But you started out working as an employee at CNET and then as an, as an open so- on an open source project, okay, WordPress, where you were coding all the time. I mean, you even said a little bit ago that when Automatic first started with 10 to 12 people, you were, you were actually one of the developers on it. Do you still find time to actually write code um, today? Do you want to? And if you do, what do you choose to work on? Do you choose to work on something actually within WordPress or do you go write something completely different? And let me give you an example. Like Mark Zuckerberg recently wrote a pretty interesting, really fascinating blog post actually about how in his spare time, he's been playing with building a AI in his house and how he's been programming all of that. How about you? Coming from a developer, are there still thing, code projects that you find the time to work on? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, so in terms of code, most of what I've done, say over the past 12 months, has been more... Uh, just trying to learn about things so that if we're doing something or making a decision around something like React versus Vue, that I can actually understand it enough to like really deeply understand the arguments on both sides. And so think of that as more like coding for the purpose of learning. Um, what I still do code and have never stopped is like personal tools, uh, which is nice because there's only one primary user, which is me. So... I still love scripting things, tying together web, web APIs, scraping pages and running regex on them. <laughs> you know, I have a very complicated email setup. So 
All my emails actually run through a WordPress plugin, if you believe it, that uh, puts different things into the databases that I use for stats and routing and copying certain emails to certain people and sometimes filing them differently to me so I can, like, things go to different folders. So, I mean, all of these kind of combination of things are uh, are more of my, like, I can I invest time in that because it makes me more productive or helps me make better decisions. For fun, where I've actually shifted a bit to is just like uh, tinkering, especially with home networking and smart home stuff. So I'm not writing an AI. <laughs> That's a, a little showy of Mark, and I think he also has a bit of help on that. But I'm sure, I'm sure. he's doing things as well. I don't know. It's fascinating to me because it kind of gets me back to the days when I used to build computers, um, you know, put, assembling the parts and everything like that. Like, you know, I really love this uh, particular vendor called uh, Ubiquity, and they make a wireless system called Unify, and they have a camera system and everything like that. So just kind of, it's all kind of Linux driven, and you, I run it on a on an AWS container remotely, and then I can log and manage the network and just stuff like that. Even like yesterday when I got to Houston. Comcast just installed fiber. So I now have synchronous gigabit fiber. But they put in like four extra devices. So I've been kind of like unwinding all that. So I can simplify how the home network works and how the fiber can plug directly into sort of my devices rather than going through theirs. Just stuff like that I find like really fun and fascinating. And you end up learning things. Like it's a bunch of Juniper hardware. So I'm like, okay, I've never used that before. So let me figure out how Juniper stuff works. Or I learn when I reach out. So I've kind of hit a little bit of a wall with some of it around like the negotiating the fiber connection. So luckily automatic has an amazing systems team (laughs) (laughs) and that run like huge amount of networks managing thousands and thousands of servers across multiple days. So on that team, there's probably a few people who both have know Juniper configurations really well and have configured hundreds of fiber systems. So I might, if I hit too much of a wall, I might ping them and then I'll learn uh, and working with them to fix it or to like simplify the system. Many in the developer community, so like the greater developer community, not just WordPress, not just PHP, everyone, I think a lot of them consider WordPress to not be very fun to work with, unfortunately. I just get this impression from uh, Hacker News and and other sources uh, similar to that, Stack, Stack Overflow. Uh, just seems to be a lot of um, negativity around working with WordPress. And especially among uh, engineering type uh, developers who are kind of more more advanced developers, I guess. Do you do you find it a challenge to to recruit uh, ad, like more advanced developers uh, for Automatic that are willing to work with WordPress, or do you see that as a problem at all? Or it's a good question. Um, with Automatic, it's probably not something we run into as much because the vast majority of the new important stuff we're doing is in JavaScript. So, and with there, with Calypso and everything else, you know, it is kind of the latest and greatest modern frameworks and methods of developments and everything. So, but that said, I will say that for WordPress core itself, like where we're doing the PHP or the API side work or whatever it might be, there are some developers that are a bit more sort of fashion focused, I guess is the best way to do it, say it. And sometimes that lines up well with people who spend a lot of time every day on Hacker News. <laughs> what I try to look for, regardless of whether we're hiring someone to work in Calypso or with our store code, like the store, I say it'd be something in automatic that's like a little bit scarier to people, like payments and store. 
I'm sure what you understand well yourself. <laughs> I want to find a developer who is, you know, he or she is like solutions focused. You know, so like the code is a means to an end. And what really matters is that impact of the code, not whether it's in Go or PHP or bash scripting even. You know, we're kind of looking for the best tool for the job. And also keeping in mind, like the fact that other people are going to have to edit this code later <laughs> and it needs to integrate with a bunch of other systems. So introducing a language, even if it's like 10% better, there might be a 20% additional cost of maintenance or overhead and supporting like this separate VM from every other VM we run in automatic. So I look for developers that are just kind of very solution oriented there. And that's often, but not 100%, ends up with folks who are more experienced who've kind of been around the block at least once or twice and have written something in like the, you know, sort of followed the fashion of like the latest, greatest thing and then had to like fix it later or had to rewrite it later. Like that's actually, uh, that's a great experience because you kind of learn a little humility with approach to uh, the problems we're trying to solve. And so like, I mean, I believe code is poetry. I believe that there is a beauty in and of itself and something that's well-written. But I think you can execute that regardless of language, regardless of uh, some of the other surface-level things that people often look at when saying, like, you know, this this program is good or this program is bad. Uh, with WordPress, I would say we have an additional thing where, you know, there's a lot of people who call themselves WordPress developers, where they're really, like, assembling plugins or themes or might not have an understanding of the technology underneath. And there's also a lot of plugins and themes that aren't that well-written, like objectively, <laughs> because WordPress makes it very easy for people to get started. And finally, that WordPress is extremely popular. So just like, you know, you can be really good, like a Drake or Kendrick Lamar, but if you're at top of the game, which we are in many ways, like, you know, there's going to be some haters. There's going to be some folks who, because you're in front, you know, people will uh, resent that or find, you know, trade-offs that you've made in sort of making it to uh, a level of success that they would disagree with or that they don't have to deal with. So that combination of things helps with the perception. But well, at the end of the day, if we can solve problems, that doesn't matter because that's what the market's going to reward. Well, when you're at the front, I think people tend to nitpick and look for the things that are wrong instead of celebrating the things that are great. If it were just language choice and like framework that made things adopted widely, then I mean, Ghost would be the most popular blogging system. But it's not. <laughs> so let's step outside of WordPress and, and tech completely. What's the thing that you're most concerned about just in general today? Like, in the world? <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm yeah, we're annihilation. going big. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, um, I try to only worry about things that I have control over or have the ability to influence. So my day-to-day, -day, I definitely worry a bit more about like things that are in the WordPress world uh, because you know I hope that I can have an influence there, even if it means doing something that's different than we've done before, like you know the, taking over the core development. Um, but more broadly, I think that I worry about things that are at a low level, existential issues. So... You know, is the is the world becoming more free and more connected or less free and less connected? Is um, the health of loved ones? You know, some things that you can maybe influence but not have as much control over, you know, are really, really important and do keep me up at night sometimes. So 
To wrap up, uh, Matt, you've been very generous with your time, and we really appreciate it. What is something within the WordPress world um, that you don't feel people talk about enough? There's not enough attention given to it, uh, whether it is a philosophy or a feature or something. If there was something that you could get people to have a conversation about more, is there is there something you would highlight? I would look back to something we talked about earlier, which are the downsides of a consensus-driven model of creating products. It's, I've been thinking about it a lot. I think that almost everyone at some point in their career has had a bad manager. <laughs> and sometimes our reaction to that is to say that no one should be making decisions. There should be no managers, you know, sort of like a, a more reactionary approach to it. Because that is true, that it does solve the problem of the bad manager. But I think what we miss is like the only thing worse than like a bad manager is a hundred bad managers, <laughs> which is sometimes what we get when we just try to say make decisions or drive development of something like WordPress, which is at the end of the day a user product based on who shows up to a dev meeting that day or you know what the loudest voices in the room might uh, advocate for. And even policies that we've adopted in the past with WordPress, like let's say the 80-20 rule, which is on our principles page can be misused. And I think probably have been misused more the past few years than it's been used in the way it was intended. Just that kind of getting back to like, how does this change a user's life or not? And that reflects itself in an open marketplace through adoption. That is, I think it's good to just remind ourselves of regularly because everyone, myself included, you know, we can get kind of down in the weeds of, of like a particular ticket or idea we have, or idea someone else has, that might not be productive. And I think the second thing, I know you asked for one thing, but That's I like okay. less. Too good, too. <laughs> it's related to the, the, the first thing. So at certain points, we might it might be as effective to appoint a decision maker and just disagree and commit, or agree and commit to the decisions that are made. Um, because in many cases, I think any decision would be better than no decision, which is what many things on the WordPress have had, sometimes for as long as seven or 10 years. Okay, the second thing is uh, we need to throw out our rule book and just talk about when doing that is appropriate. So we, for often very good reasons, do things like say, you know, WordPress is WCAG compliant and no new code should come in that is not. That's a trade-off. And that's a trade-off that we've enshrined and we should readdress it if we think that that trade-off, whether for a particular feature, a particular user experience, or a particular benefit, is worth it. Again, that hashtag worth it that <laughs> we talked about. Backwards compatibility is one. Uh, certain rules around accessibility, I think, are one. Things around, say, mobile devices, I think, are one. Where, you know, it's still shocking to me that how hard it was to get MP6 in the core <laughs> a few years ago. But if we hadn't done that, I mean, that was the thing that made the WordPress admin responsive. And, you know, that was a real struggle. <laughs> and, to you know, as we've seen over the past, what was that, I think five years ago, since MB6 started, four or five years ago, mobile devices and sort of Android and iOS-driven devices have become the dominant computing platform on the planet, you know, outstripping even the desktop platforms, macOS and, and Windows. So if we hadn't done that, I don't know if WordPress would even be relevant today or it would be more like a PHP nuke. And so there's probably some decisions that we're facing today that are that existential, where you know, there's technology changes coming around the corner, that if we don't make some big, painful, and I would say highly controversial changes, 
Remember, MP6 was blocked by the core team from being uh, coming into core for almost a year. Things that will feel that drastic, hopefully they will look as silly and non-consequential as MP6 does in hindsight, <laughs> where we're like, of course we did that. It made perfect sense. Uh, but at the time, it felt like a real battle. And uh, we're going to have to make some of those battles over the next few years, I think, to set us up for the coming decade. And to me, that's the most important thing. Like, it wasn't the part of the reason I was working on automatic or other things more than core, is because that's where I felt like the most impact would be for democratizing publishing and for getting the web running on open source operating system. Operating system meaning like WordPress is a web operating system. And now I feel like the biggest impact there is at core. So that's where I'm spending my time. And we all should think about that. Like think outside both of our, um, think bigger than our plugin or theme and think about the world and what is our impact going to be there. Thank you, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you for sharing some time with us. And we really appreciate it. I really appreciate y'all taking the time. And I also want to say thank you to the work both of y'all do in the WordPress community. Well, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So thanks a lot, Matt. No problem. It was good chatting. Cheers. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.